Welcome to the Minnesotan Pod. Hope you enjoy these podcast series of interviews that we're doing. Today is going to be a great interview. We interview Danny Cameronese, a local product who's won a lot. She's won two state championships at the high school level, two national championships, two world championships, and a gold medal in the Olympics, just to name a few. Uh, it's going to be an awesome show. We're going to learn about Danny and her life uh, as an athlete and as a coach and everything in between about Danny. Hope you enjoy it. Today's show is brought to you by the Minnesotan, a 15% discount if you use the code YHH online or in store. Give the gift of tradition and nostalgia, great nostalgic stuff that you can't get anywhere else in the Twin Cities in a fantastic store that just almost looks like a museum dedicated to Minnesota and Minnesota sports. This place is worth the drive out to White Bear Lake. As my friend John King once said, it's the greatest store in the world. Check it out in White Bear Lake or check them out online on the Minnesotan.com. Hope you enjoy today's show. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, good afternoon, Danny. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining me today. This is going to be a great show. Um, there's a rarity. You are a rarity. You're 25 years old, and you have lived a full life. Uh, how does that feel for me to say that about you? <laughs> Feels good. I feel like I still have a, a number of things that I personally would like to accomplish still. But, I, yeah, I've been very blessed and fortunate. Um with the support of my family, friends, and and yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it more on a hockey perspective. You heard the bio there where I'm reading, and you're like, Miss Hockey, two championships at the high school level, two at the college level, two world championships, um, and some unbelievably exciting finishes, especially at the world level. Uh, how did it all start, I guess? How did you get you the first pair of skates? And was it your brother? Was it your cousins? How did you get onto the pond? How did you get out there in first play? Uh, growing up in Minnesota, it's definitely not not too difficult to um, be around hockey, obviously, and and be on the ponds in the winter. And um, but the main reason I started was um, because of my older brother. I, as annoying as it probably was for him, um, followed him and did everything he did. Um, and the second that he put skates on, I was two steps behind him and. And I just ultimately fell in love with it. And um, I had uh, my older brother, obviously, to help me um, throughout my whole career and um, see how hard he worked. And I I wasn't necessarily um, a hard worker when I was younger, but um, just watching him and everything he put into hockey and and put into everything he did, I um, am very fortunate to have had him as a role model because I saw that what he was doing to get to where he wanted to go. And I had to do that, if not more, if I wanted to, to make it places and, and to continue to play the game that I love. So 
I owe a lot of my success and the reason that I am playing hockey to my brother, Tony. So let's go through the the family background, which will lead into talking a little bit more about Tony. We're going to pump his tires big time today. <laughs> um, so your dad, was it your dad's family or your mom's family that had a bunch of boys that played? Was it the dad's side or your mom's side? Uh, my mom's side. Okay, she right. They were the, the D's, right? Four brothers. Yep. Okay, thank you. So these were the your your mom's maiden name was D, and this is where you get the Robbie D from Blake and the Tommy D from Maple Grove as your cousins, right? Yep, and there's another Matt D from Maple Grove played through there too. Yeah. Okay, so these guys are these the guys that uh, maybe led Tony into hockey a little bit. Maybe he went and saw him play, and then the chain reaction is that how it worked? Yeah, they were they were big influences on him and. Um, like I said, all of my, um, so my mom's the youngest of four boys, um, and they grew up in, in Minnesota in the Robbinsdale area. Got it. Um, they were playing on the ponds constantly. So they, um, pass that on to their children. And, um, like I said, I think my cousins were a big reason as to why my brother wanted to throw, um, some skates on and learn how to play hockey. I know we, went to countless games when we were older of my um, cousin, Robbie, um, who played at Breck and, and he is line mates with Blake Wheeler. So um, we got a lot to watch a lot of great games there, although they, they ended up being my rival later on. But um, yeah, that definitely a big reason um, why we started playing in hockey is kind of. But your dad's side of the family, the Camerese, that wasn't a hockey family, was it? Nope. They, he is, um, from Wisconsin. He's a, uh, dead set Badger fan. I was just going to um, say, is he a Badger <laughs> fan too? For sure. He's a Packer fan. I don't have to ask that. Is he still yeah. a Badger fan? Um, not a Badger, a hockey fan, but right. he is still a Badger fan. Yes. Okay. So all right. Badger football. He is, he's all for it. My, um, JJ and, and Frosty, um, yep. the coach this is at Joel Johnson. We, not everyone knows who JJ is. <laughs> this is the assistant coach at the university. Keep going. Sorry. Yep. And then Brad Froster, coach, um, the head coach at Minnesota, were um, pretty um, confident in the fact that they probably weren't going to get me as a recruit because really? my dad. Oh no! At everything, had this big red Wisconsin Badger jacket <laughs> that he would wear to all of my games. So they were, they were probably they thought they maybe had like a little small percentage of a chance, and that I would uh, end really? up being a Badger. But they were wrong. Yeah. So did you grow up going to Camp Randall or the Cole Center or any of those games when you were a kid? Did your dad drag you over there to see that stuff? I did not do that, but I went to. Um, Bob Johnson's hockey camp in Vail, Colorado. So Mark was one of the coaches there for that. Really? And I have like a, I used to have this picture hanging in my room of me standing next to him. Yeah. Uh, does he know that? Did, did Mark know that? That your family yeah, well, were Badger I, fans? Yeah. I went to a um, tour there and I actually like had a picture of the, picture of us on our phone that I showed him. No way. That is awesome. Yeah. I bet he was like, we got her, right? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> so when did it, that, I, not in my intention at all to get here so quickly, but how did it get to, how did you get that, make the decision to go to the university? 
versus Wisconsin, or I'm sure you had your pick of the litter. Yeah, um, that was a tough process. I know um, a lot of people, I I know Frosty always makes fun of me for, for how long uh, I made him wait for my decision, but so I didn't decide until like um, the end or after my junior year of high school, which at that point was, and still now was pretty old. It was, yeah. Like late in the game. Um, but my parents didn't want me to make any like sudden decisions. And at that point, like I said, it, it was down to Minnesota and Wisconsin. And I just didn't know, like I, like had always, I think it was confusing for me because growing up with my dad, like I had always like wanted Wisconsin since he wanted it so bad. But when it come down, came down to it, my dad was like, I don't want you to pick a school because like, I love it. Like leave me completely out of it. And then, um, through my brother's advice, I just, at one point when it came down to it, I, I threw pros and cons on a list. And I think my heart was always, with Minnesota, I like obviously I grew up. We had season tickets to the men's games, and then just like watching the women's team be so so successful afterwards, and right. and the culture and and everything that was created there, and the ability to play for my home state, have my parents be able to come to a lot of my games more than they probably would have been able to come to if I were at Wisconsin. Um, and it's was, far enough away that yeah. I, mean, I, my, I always joke, I grew up in Minneapolis and I always joke, my parents didn't make it to the U until I was a junior. Cause it just was so far away from downtown Minneapolis where my parents lived. It can be as yeah. far or close as you want. Right. Yeah. So I, I just like, I liked that being close to home and, and them being able to watch and they already had to split between watching me and then watching my brother at Duluth. So right. I was like, why make it harder and have him have to drive to Wisconsin to watch games too? That's true. That's true. Um, do you think some of it, cause there's so much summer hockey and off season hockey and training. And do you think some of it had to do with friends that you maybe made through your uh, youth career that were also kids that were going to Minnesota? Yeah. I like, I grew up playing, like you said, with a lot of those girls. I like, gosh, I've been playing with Hannah Brandt since before I could remember. I remember literally this past weekend, I was actually kind of reminiscing on um, those times with, with my, my dad and my mom. And um, we started the first ever, it was the ice cats team. Yeah. It's like Frank Mork was our coach. And then we started the first ever girls uh, Minnesota Blades team. I don't know if they have one anymore. Not anymore, but it it's there. I mean, there's yeah. possibilities there for sure. But we were talking about like, um, so our coach was Frank Mork and he was incredible. And my, like we were talking about how big of an influence he um, had on me. He was the first coach to ever actually sit me in a game, which I still remember. And I, why, I why, what happened? More. Did you take the three minute shift or what was it? No, the funny part is I was laughing. I was like, well, dad, you were the one who gave permission to him to do that. Cause I used to get yelled at by my dad because he, his he, quote, he a lot knew of so much time, about hockey for sure. Right. he still does. Yeah. He knows a ton. So like he watched <laughs> and he, like, he is a very smart and intelligent guy. So I think once he found out like how much we loved hockey, like ever since we were little, like just watched the game and, and he knew a lot, which 
I don't usually actually ever own up to him. <laughs> right. <laughs> really? Because my kids here. own up to everything I say, by the way. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when he gets yelling at you for something in the car after a game. No, he used to always he's like yell at me and say, I shouldn't put an orange jersey on you because you look like a cone out there. So yeah. I remember it was a tournament and he was like, don't be afraid to sit her if she's not working hard. Because that's one thing my dad has always been like, and no, no matter what we do, like you obviously are like going to have talent or skill or maybe you don't. But the one thing that like puts you above all others is your work ethic and how hard you work. So that did not slide with him when I wasn't trying my best and, and working my hardest out there. So the next game, I think it was probably one of the worst games I've ever played. So he sat me. That's so funny. It, 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 it proves what you said earlier that you didn't work as hard as your brother, Tony, when it first, when you first got started, right? Oh, not even close. Yeah. I will own up to that 1000%. That's so funny. But on that team, we had a ton of future golfers. Like I played um, two years up through in all of my like summer hockey. So I played with like Hannah Brandt, Rachel Ramsey was on that team. We had a ton of great players. Like I played with Sammy Reber was on our team. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a number of girls who Sam Hansen was on there to go play D1. We had, we had an incredible team and it was honestly the first, I didn't realize my dad. So I played boys hockey growing up. Yep. So that was one of the first, like female teams I had played on. Um, and like you said, I did grow up playing with a, a lot of the girls, but not like for as long. And since I played two years older, I didn't actually know a lot of the girls my age right? beforehand, but um, I knew all of them uh, who were older and, and that was lucky for me. And I think just when I went and visited there too, just the, at Minnesota, I'm saying is, the way I felt, I felt very included, even though when like the two days we were there um, for our official visit and I just felt like I fit in best there. So that was a, a big reason too, was definitely the girls and um, having, having that senior class that I had with um, Bethany Browsen, who was now the assistant coach there at yeah. Minnesota, um, was it was a huge part of why I ended up wanting to go there. All right, so let's go back to high school a little bit here. Uh, eighth grade, you won a state title, um, and, and you played a, a big role, made all-tournament team there. Uh, tell me about, uh, was that one of the first moments you're like, hey, this is I can play at this level, and I know that I'm, I'm ready to take my game to the next level, or was that just one of many building blocks? I think that that's one of many building blocks, because I think every level – or every chance you have to move up a level is always can always be a little daunting and you don't know what to expect. But like I had said too, I have played um, boys my whole career. So I actually switched over in eighth grade and decided to play. So I grew up in Wyzetta youth hockey. Right. And at Wyzetta at the time, they didn't allow eighth graders to play. You had to be, High school, you mean? Um, high school. Or, right. You have to play high school. So, um, you were kind like, of in no man's land in eighth grade. Yeah. Aren't you? There's a lot of girls that are in no man's land in eighth grade because they can't play high school or they're they're kind of stuck, right? 
Yeah. And, and for me and uh, like my dad's dis- like decision as well um, for me to go from playing peewee boys to, I think it would have been like U14s we thought would have um, kind of stalled my progress and, right. and, and uh, yeah, how I was progressing. So um, they like wouldn't budge on it. So my dad's like, all right, like we'll start looking elsewhere. So um, we didn't want to like open enroll. So I looked at um, Blake and Breck for schools and, and decided on Blake. But like I said, that was since I did play boys before that, it was always an adjustment period. I remember my dad being like, what are you doing? But cause I would get like a, a pat, like a blind pass that was, well, what we call them is a suicide it's pass. A sucker pass. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Putting yeah. someone in danger. And I would like pull up because I was so used to getting hit a, a D man stepping up and hitting me. But then I realized, even though I like played summer with girls, but that I, I did definitely have to change my style of play, but still kept a lot of the stuff that I learned in boys, which I think helped me a lot no, because wait. we okay. didn't have as many chances when we were younger to play girls hockey. Right. Right. I mean, we did, but it was still relatively new. So it's funny. I interviewed Sammy Reber a, f- a few months ago and same thing. She played boys all the way through um, until she got to uh, the upper, upper levels of her career. So same, yeah, same I think it's like my my birth year is when it kind of started to switch over right. to um, girls playing. But my dad just since my brother had gone through that system and he just like threw me into the might program at Wyzetta, which like everyone was is combined, like both boys and girls. I think that's how it is for yeah, it's all common. places still. And then I just developed really good friendships with all the guys. So I just stuck with it. <laughs> that was a question that you get. Some of these questions are just going to pop up as a result of the conversation kind of going off script. Did you, cause Wyzetta had some amazing teams uh, back in those eras. Did you have, did you play boys with some of these guys that went on to play college hockey or high level high school hockey? Yeah, I played on, uh, so I played with Grant Bessie. See, I knew we were going to get this. Funny. Yeah, <laughs> for us, when he was Miss Hockey and I was Miss Hockey, um, that was that was really exciting. But yeah, so I grew up playing with him. But the banquets and... are separate, though, right? They're not the same. Yep, they are. They're different rooms, right? They're different yeah, different. Day. Oh yeah, different weeks too, for sure. Sorry yep. about that. Yeah, of course. All right. Yeah, I grew up playing with a, a lot. Um, I. Um, never played on a team with him but it was like kind of an overlapping year my brother played with him like mario lucia yeah i had tried out it was um so like both years so squirts and peewees i made the b team my first year and then a team my second year right so i missed that with some of the older guys but yeah i played with some, with some really good guys but grant bessie is one that definitely that one stands the name out. sticks out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's a badger too. So yeah. your, your dad must have been recruiting him at a very young age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I must have known his family. Big badger fans too growing up. Oh, they were. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's walk through high school. You won a state championship in eighth grade, a little bit of a drought, ninth, 10th, 11th, your senior year. Uh, you finally get back over the top. This is your team. You're Miss Hockey. Uh, must have been one of, when you look back, one of your greater years uh, at playing hockey. I mean, there's been a lot of great ones, but walk through your memories of your senior year. You got a new coach. There was, a, you know, your past coach passed away. A lot of great things are happening and weird things are happening in that one year span. 
Yeah, I I don't know. For me, I wouldn't necessarily define it as my greatest, but no. a, a lot of good things definitely did happen. But, um, you know, when you, you get to your senior year sometimes, too, and, and since I had already committed and had my sights on, on college, like there is like that part of you that really wants to just like get there, you know, when yes. you like move on to a different stage in it's, your life. It's, it's called the senior slide. My, I have two, yeah. two kids that have already gone through it. Yeah. So there, there was that part too, but like you said, um, I had Brano had been my coach, um, Stankowski from eighth grade until 11th. And then unfortunately, um, 11th, my junior year mid, um, sections actually, um, suffered a stroke and he, I'm, I'm very close. Like I was very close with him and his family because he, he helped me a lot. And I think he was kind of the first person who kind of like saw something in me, um, which was important for me, but I'm so close with his family. I see them often, but um, he ended up kind of recovering and then, um, things kind of went south and, and he ended up passing away. So that was a tough moment for all of us on the team, I think. And he had been such a crucial part of that program for like years prior. I, I don't remember when he started coaching, but it was long before I had got there. Um, so that was definitely tough, I think. And, um, definitely a difficult position for Sean to come into because he, Brown was so loved. And, and like I said, his, um, the amount of time he spent there was incredible, but he did a great job. I know it was his first, I believe it was his first time coaching girls Yeah. too. So that, and he has boys and that was an adjustment period. And I know he said now he didn't realize like, for girls, how much for girls high school, like how much one person can make a difference on a team. But we just kind of like a team stuck together and band together that year and um, kind of wanted to do it for Brano. But yeah. on top of that, had really good coaching. So, yeah, we're I, lucky. Yeah, came out with a win. I came in with a win and I left with one. So I couldn't have asked for anything more. <laughs> I connected with Sean uh, earlier and he said this about you. He said, she was the best athlete I ever coached. Boy, girl, man, woman. She coached with me last year and she was awesome at that role too. So pretty high praises uh, from Sean because Sean has obviously had a pretty decorated career coaching up until last year at Blake. Oh, he did absolutely great things with with um that program it was actually it was really fun to see um after in college and and like like he kind of has said there he supported me whenever I needed to afterwards too he was always like feel free to like come skate if you ever want to and I definitely took him up on on some of those times and um when I just graduated my post-grad years when you aren't at one point I wasn't skating with people often it was just myself so to like gear up for camps and tryouts sometimes I would hop on the ice and and practice with some of the girls which yeah um, very nice of him to let me do you got it when you're training like that you you need players to play with you know you need puck touches you need competition and solo is fine for some skill development but it's not great for the actual game agree with that yep yeah that's uh Kind of one downside to, I guess you could say, is a downside to playing, being a, on a team sport is 
you can't replicate game scenarios or um, honestly even game shape without playing on a team and and playing like I said with other people and and being able to participate in games. Um, do you remember w- winning Miss Hockey? Was this like just one of these things you got to check off the list, or did you think someone else was going to win it that year? Oh, there were a ton of great girls up there with me. I know a lot of they weren't all no, they weren't all gophers, were they? I don't know. I don't. I don't there have were, the list in front of me. I for sure remember it was me, Kate Shipper, and Kate Flug. So we all ended up going to to the U. Minnesota together. Yeah, and all, all of us had um, pretty decorated high school careers. So um, I thought it was a toss up. So I I was very fortunate. I think that's every year. Like there's such good high school players that come out of Minnesota. And obviously it's something that's always in the back of your mind, but I've never focused on individual accolades for myself. Yeah. Like the important things to me are, are winning the big things with my teammates. And if I can make others around me better and, and help my team out, I think sometimes those individual accolades just happen to come, but that was never something I had like focused my, my thought and energy on. I wanted to win a state championship and, and maybe that helped in why I won. I I don't know, but yeah. Well, while in high school, you also got a chance to to play some USA hockey in 2012 and 13 on the U 18s. And you guys took silver both times. Is this kind of a, a theme, an American hockey theme that you, you kind of started to learn at a very young age that silver is the highest it could get. Did you kind of feel that growing and then getting to the 2014 Olympics as well, watching what would happen there? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was very fortunate that they even have that U18 program for for us girls. We wish they had more now, like looking at the development program they have for the men. Right, um, this is the but, equivalent. Instead of giving you an entire year, they give you some camps and stuff like that, but that's yeah, about it, right? Yeah, we get some camps in a tournament, um, but just being able to, to throw on that – USA sweater for the first time, I think is the moment that I was like, I want to like keep feeling this and and that like honor you have wearing the red, white, and blue for your country. But yeah, like you said, gosh, they were, I don't remember. I remember, I don't remember what year it was my senior year. It was a heartbreaking game too. It was like we were winning and then they tied it up. We went into overtime and like lost in the first few minutes of overtime when I don't think we should have. So right, That's I hard. think it was always in the back of like, yeah, they just, just always had a way of winning. Like, your, I don't know what it was. <laughs> I, I got a buddy of mine who was always trying to mock me on the golf course, you know, get in my head kind of thing. And he goes, I'm in your kitchen. I'm in your kitchen. You know, they're the Canadians until recently were in our kitchen in women's hockey and we just got to get them out of there. Right. Yeah, well, even up until then, I I think I recall with, I wasn't ever in them, but the U.S. national team in the games prior would be Canada, and like in the tournaments would be Canada. Yeah. But when it came down to the big one, they always had had a, a way, of, they've always found a way to win. Right, right, and, right. And that was, uh, yeah, that was tough. But we all, I think um, a lot of the... Um, 
older girls on that Olympic team that I was on in 2018 kind of owed a lot. Not didn't, they didn't owe it to us, but they were like, once we, my group, which was like 11 girls made it to like the national team. Yeah. We didn't lose in uh, the world's tournaments. Yeah, I know. So they were like, you guys don't know what it's like to lose in like the big time, like big time games and, and league to them, which they were like, that's very refreshing for us that you guys have this winning mentality and you guys aren't as afraid to lose to them as like they maybe had been. Yeah. Well, there's, there's uh, got a long string of, like I said, you've lived a full hockey life. It's unbelievable. And you're only 25 years old. So 2014, your freshman year in Hampton, Connecticut, you guys lose the national championship to Clarkson. And I think you guys were somewhat favored to, I remember being surprised that you guys didn't win that year. What's your memory of that loss to Clarkson? Uh, <laughs> I don't have a great memory, yeah. Um, but yeah, we were definitely favored to win. Gosh, that was probably the most skilled, hardworking team I think I had been on at Minnesota. Right. Um, we had great leaders. Gosh, the one, the thing I remember from that, I know, I remember we didn't play well. Like that was probably the one game all year we didn't play well. And I just remember the seniors in the locker room afterwards, like wouldn't take their jerseys off, wouldn't take their gear off and just like seeing yeah, like the emotional pain they were in for that to be like their last game. And for some of them, like their last game ever. Yeah. And I just knew I had cash. I kept that with me a lot. That's not a, a good image or a, no, I know. Sorry to bring up, I want to feel. Sorry to bring up the bad times, but there's some good times coming here, especially the next few years for you. Unbelievable. I mean, your sophomore year, I mean, 2015, 14-15 has got to be one of the best years. And I'm not I mean 18 is going to be the best, but 15 is pretty darn good too. You guys win a national championship on home ice. What are your memories of that? Cuz it was you guys had basically steamrolled everybody that year. Yeah, that was a, a really good year for us. I think, like you said, we had some um, good times. And I think that that bad time the year before led to those good times. And um, all of us girls didn't want to feel that way again. Um, but we had a great team. Um, and I think just having that home ice advantage was huge for us. Uh, that yeah. year and just being in front of all of our fans, it was crowded and packed. Yeah, I had uh, Sammy Reber, I mentioned this earlier on, and she talked about that game and being at Harvard, playing against, you know, basically it was them against the world. Cause she, and she described it as, here I was, I was playing against all these girls that I grew up playing with or against. I'm playing against them, and they have 3,000 fans <laughs> besides them. We knew... She even said it pretty much. We knew we didn't have a chance, but we were going to give it everything we had. Yeah, I think for for us too, we wanted to uh, get that trophy back in the WCHA. That was a big thing too. So we kind of felt like we had that that weight on our shoulders and, and all of them to back us up too. So yeah, yeah, it was a pretty incredible moment. And like my family got to come on the ice afterwards. So that was that was awesome. All right, so that same year, you guys go to Sweden and win the Worlds 
against Sweden, too. No, against Canada. Sorry, seven to five. Um, that had to have been very uplifting moment for you as well. Oh yeah, that I mean, just was... to make the team. I mean, no offense, you were like twenty years, nineteen years old, twenty years old. So that had to have been pretty gratifying. Yeah, we. Uh, I kind of forgot that was back to back. Yeah, that was. Yeah. that was a very exciting time <laughs> for me. So. Actually, what happened? You see why I'm saying when, the full life? Like, literally, we haven't gotten to the Olympics yet, and this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So they actually have like this pre-camp before the tournament, but if you're if you make it all the way in the the national tournament, so they the rest of the team is actually training somewhere. I think we may have been in New York somewhere. Okay. So they're already there, and we well like had just won obviously the national championship game we celebrated afterwards and then like 4 a.m the next day you hop on a flight to go and join like our our counterparts on the u.s team so that she had all of like 12 hours to celebrate yeah and sometimes like um the following year for um, like against BC, like you will be coming to turn at the camp with some players that you just beat, which yeah. is always kind of an, like not uncomfortable because like we all love each other so much. And, um, for a lot of us, we've grown up playing with each other and have been to a lot of tournaments together, but it's always a little awkward there, but then you just kind of have to set that aside and, and know that now like we're on this other team and, and we're all competing for the same thing again and um, went to Sweden. And like that was, like you said, I had um, competed with the national team in, in the Four Nations tournament prior to that and um, took advantage of that opportunity and, and competed well. So um, coach saw something in me and um, I was very fortunate for that. And a lot of, I think there was a, a number of new girls on that roster too um, that were there for the first time. And um, like I said, just before, I think the, they, now that there was like this big group of younger girls on the team just brought a different kind of excitement and, and style of play to the team, which ended up helping us out a lot. Now this is the first, I, I think this would be the first world. This would be the first IIHF event after the Olympics, right? So this is revenge time a little bit for the U.S. and Canada, correct? Yep. Yes, it is. Did you feel it? Yeah, Yeah, I felt it, like, from the older girls. But, like, I had said before, like, they – like, even in all the world's tournaments up to that, they're like, you guys don't know what it was like to to lose to them. So, like, take that and use that, like, to your advantage. And I think we brought – that to the older girls too just like knowing or like trying to help them like not be afraid like there's really nothing to lose like we're like pretty even in the lineups throughout both so like there's no way that like we shouldn't have a chance so i know we'll get to finland in a little bit but and that was a packed house in in finland uh was the crowd was it a packed house were the swedes embracing this u.s canada matchup there or was it just kind of a mom and dad event what was it like from a from an atmosphere perspective do you remember um now that i like think back to it i don't think it was very wasn't as packed of a house there back then 
Yeah, and it, it, taking us away from it, when their country's not in it, it's a little trickier, right? If yep. if the Czechs were playing the Russians here, these people would care, but they wouldn't care as much unless you have a vested interest. That, I was just curious what that was like it, because I'd just been watching highlights of this Finnish game. We'll get to that in a little bit. It's crazy how many people, how packed you know the arena was, 6,000 people packed. It's, it, it's cool to watch. Um, yeah. So now you go back to college again for another year. And by the way, just so you know, I've been keeping track here. You were the Patty, you were a Caddy, Patty Kazmaier finalist as a sophomore that year. Um, so it wasn't a mistake that you were making this world's team. And you were also a finalist. Again, we're not going to talk individual awards too much, but you're also a finalist that next year notching like 60 plus points. And you won another national championship, this time on the road over BC. Another chance to give it for the WCHA. Walk through that team in 16. That so we were we were not favored to win that year, right? Because BC had they were unbeaten. Really, it was yep thirty nine and zero maybe. Wow, I looked that one up. That's pretty. That's a fascinating stat. So you basically talk about uh, ruining somebody's career. I mean, they they probably didn't leave the locker room too easily after that one. Yeah, I, I think that was a tough one for them. And we always, like, we wish that we could, like, play some more of those, like, all these teams a little bit more during the year because, like, we don't match up against them often because a lot of the times it can mess with, like, standings. If you were to lose and all of that, there's a lot of that stuff in it. Right. Um, and see travel and you don't have very many extra games to play during the year. So, like, that's the first time, like, ever facing each other that whole year. So you don't know much about each other up until that point. So that's that's new, too. Um, but we weren't favored to win. We were out east. Um, we were at Quinnipiac, I believe. Yeah. No, Quinnipiac was my freshman year. Where were we? UNA. Uh, you said yeah yep yep. and durham yep so um like i said weren't favored to win but um put together a good game and had some um freshmen really step up and that year was also a a very important year it was um so amanda castle came back for her um like red shirt year and she had been out like the previous few years with um, like concussion issues. Yes. So she came back. I don't remember. Was it like halfway through the year maybe? Yeah, something like that. And the reason I know, I interviewed Taylor Williamson, and she was just so intimidated by Amanda. <laughs> yeah. And and she like she was so humble. She's like, I'm not very good. I'm I'm totally out of shape. I mean, and and this whole bit, she had this whole bit about not being good and being out of shape. And within like three shifts three skates she was the best player on the team yeah she that was incredible that was just a huge moment i know for like us and i had played on teams with her and you know it is a difficult moment for some people just like having someone join halfway through the year and some people wonder about like obviously amanda castle's coming back like your playing time is going to decrease but you want amanda castle on your team regardless but it was just a huge moment, I know, for for us and, and for her because that's someone who she had thought she was never going to be able to play again. 
Yeah. I, and for her to get that opportunity, gosh, her first game back at home with the fans was exhilarating, honestly. I, I, Very I, emotional for everyone. <laughs> I think the way Taylor described it was uh, Frosty brought uh, had, a, had a team meeting. And you guys were like, do we do something wrong? Or, you know, a lot of you guys were nervous. You came in and all of a sudden Amanda walks out or something. Do you remember that moment, how that was, how it got announced to you guys? I, I don't remember that. Like, I didn't remember that before, but now I do. <laughs> and then her stuff, I'm, I think her stuff had been in the stall or something. And I was like, kind of getting curious prior to that. But that was, she was a huge reason we, we ended up winning that year as well. Yeah, we owe a lot of that to her. That's very cool. So now, you know, you actually experienced some some disappointment your senior year, and I want to say disappointment, but uh, if you look at your your point production, you had uh, you know sixty points your sophomore and, and junior year, amazing years, um, and then it kind of drops off uh, due to injury. Walk through what it's like being injured, Danny Cameron, because it probably can't be easy. You're at this point, you're twenty years old, twenty one years old. You're your state champion, world champion, all these great things have happened to you. Now you have to put the brakes on your career a little bit. Walk through that disappointment of your senior year. Yeah, that was um, uh, some adversity that I think has definitely like shaped me into like the person and player I am today. So actually my junior year, I had suffered like an injury in practice and I had um, torn ligaments in my shoulder. So that season I was actually playing with a bad shoulder halfway through, um, which is why too, I wasn't able to like compete in the worlds or because um, I wasn't able to go to tryouts because so it had happened right before um, USA trials, which are generally in August and December right. of each year for each team. And I kind of had to, um, weigh the pros and cons and, and I had to call um, our GM at the time and say that like I couldn't make it to tryouts that year because I just my shoulder needed a break and I definitely like really needed to utilize like those couple weeks we have off in order to be able to compete for um, the Gophers the rest of the season which I had signed like a letter of intent going in and like that's who like I played for and I that was definitely a tough decision for me and unfortunately at the time for USA if you couldn't attend tryouts you aren't eligible to make the team right which has um shifted definitely um or like if you were injured you weren't even like able to attend camp or do anything like that so um that was definitely upsetting that year and that was um right after it was two days after we had won the national championship that year, I went into surgery. Right. That one, that one was a long one. That one was supposed to be nine months. So I had this, like I have really loose joints too. And, and my shoulders would like pop out when I was little, but the, the one in practice, of course, too, that's the most upsetting part was I got hurt. Really? (laughs) Like a big game. No, I, was like racing for a puck I think we were doing like a scrimmage or or breakout or something and I was racing for a puck and um someone like tripped me up and I was like flew into the boards like in the air with my shoulder and I like thought I was fine well I knew I it was like ooh that kind of hurt and then 
like the next day when I woke up and went to class, I was like, I texted my trainer and I was like, I can like hardly even lift up a pencil to write. Like something is not, not, not right. But so that one was grueling. That one was supposed to be like nine months. I think I made it back in seven. Nine months um, is a but, lifetime in hockey, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was a long time. And then, um, and then it, again, you hurt your ankle that your senior year is too, as well. Yep. So I made it back after that. I would never recommend shoulder surgery to anyone. It was horrible. Like I couldn't even sleep regular for four months. After the surgery? Yep. Slept in a recliner because like laying down with your shoulder, like pushed back like that. It was in like so painful. I couldn't sleep. What kind of surgery was it? I had shoulder surgery in June and Um, I'm good now, but it was three months of pain. I agree. I had, um, so they repaired like my labrum, yep. they like fixed up my joint. And then, like I said, since I had loose, I have loose joints, they had to like tighten my capsule down. Oh, so like I had to like not be, I had to be mobile for a while because they said with people who have joints like me, like can gain their full range of motion back in more, which they didn't want. So like I had to like be in one of those little pass thingies. Yep. I don't remember the little shoulder braces. Yes. Works, works. They wanted it, like, the this. Holds it perfectly still, right? Yep. All right. All right. So after that, after your uh, senior year, you get you rehab. You actually got the chance to finish your senior year, too. You made it back in time for playoffs, didn't you? Yep. Yeah, so I got back from shoulder surgery, and I think it was November of that year against Wisconsin. I hurt my ankle, and like you said, I had – do you say I had 30 points that year? I don't even know yeah. how many I had. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. less than half the games that I would have played the previous year. Yep. So I was, like, on pace to do some pretty great things. I, I love my line mates. I, like, obviously, who doesn't want to to go and compete for a national championship in your senior year? And um, that – happened and I underwent surgery like a few weeks later because I just thought it was like kind of a sprained ankle but had torn ligaments and right um that was four months before the Olympic tryouts year so I like rehabbed like crazy I was in the room like twice a day with Cal to make sure I wasn't like I said before like losing that hockey shape because you can't really get that obviously and I made it back in time for playoffs, which was the plan because I wanted to play at least in a game or two prior to Olympic trials because I didn't want my first game to be at tryouts. So it just right. kind of daunting to me. And um, we vied for for a chance. We made it to the national tournament again our senior year, and and unfortunately, again, lost our first game to Clarkson. Clarkson so. again. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, let's not bring up Clarkson the Knights. They were kind of a, a thorn in your side a little bit. Like you said, Canada had our number. Clarkson had our number at Minnesota. Yeah, they definitely did. 
They definitely did. Um, okay, so let's walk through the Olympic process. You, you're, you're fully healed now. At, after your senior year, you graduate from, from the U. It's got to be 100% focus on making that Olympic team. Kind of your dream, I'm guessing, as a, as a, as a female, athlete, female hockey player, it's the dream of all dreams. What were, you, what were you going through in that process, in that three months leading up to the tryouts? Yeah, I think I was just fortunate that I was able to make it back in time. And, and like you said, um, as much as I was training prior to, to try and make it back in time with my ankle, I just kind of threw into Olympic tryouts. And like we have, a, a, like like I said, two tryouts, two tryouts every year for like world team and like four nations. And, and, right. The feeling of the crowd is just so different. Like everything becomes like way more serious. You can tell like it's the games are extremely competitive. Like I don't even know how to explain it other than the fact that it's twenty-four girls trying to essentially make all their dreams come true. Right and. That's a lot of a lot of weight on it, and you basically whatever you have done prior to. You hope that you prepared well enough to to give yourself a shot. Yeah, your phone is kind of breaking up just a little bit. Can you try maybe a different part of your house where you live? It just you're just we're losing a few of your sentences here now. I tried texting you, but you didn't pick up on it. Is better? Uh, yeah, that's fine. Um, okay. you, you were great. I, I, I just, I, I wanted to just, cause this, making the Olympic team, you were talking about your dreams there a little bit. You know, it seems like you said it, it got a little, a lot more serious when it got to be Olympic trials versus four nations and national team stuff. Correct. Yep. Yeah. I just said, um, it's a lot more serious. The games are way more competitive and like the best I could put it into words was it was a bunch of girls vying for 24 spots to essentially make all of their childhood dreams come true. So there's a lot of weight on those trials and you just hope that everything you had done prior to, to prepare yourself gave you a chance to make the team. And if you didn't, I guess there's not a whole lot you can do either, but. I'm going to ask you a tough question now, because this is, I was I didn't prepare you for this one, but it just seems that, um, the relative age of uh, elite, elite hockey players, female hockey players, because there is no major, major, major payday in professional hockey. Do you think there should be an age limit on to give some of these younger women, the 17 to 21-year-old women? Because you kind of have to wait your turn in some ways to make that Olympic team. Um, no, I don't think there should be an age limit. It's like you don't put on any sports either or professionally it's not like you're going to tell Sidney Crosby he's getting too old to play you know right, like right um I've heard this argument kinda, before so I'm like hmm that's an interesting take um that they but, but, but it often is there's often so many great players how do you choose the right team right yeah and that's um something that falls on the coaches it falls and there's been new coaches each time so it, it's whatever kind of players they might want and hopefully you fit into that mold that they want and 
like it it I know it's very tough for them because it takes a very specific combination of different players and whatnot to like create the team and style of play that you want. So I think that's up to them. And and like you said, like my career started young and I was, we had, um, I forget what age she was. Um, Kayla was um, 18 at our, I think she was either 17. I think she turned 18 prior to the Olympics. So like, right. it's not like young girls definitely have a chance. Okay. And like our team was, we had 11 newcomers who were all pretty young, um, that 18, uh, 2018 year. But, um, I think the older girls also bring something that you can't replace either and in experience. Right, 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 right. That's crucial for a team too. So you make the team. Um, I, I always like the, the the Olympic aha moment. What was your Olympic aha moment? You made the Olympic team. Um, you're in Pyeongchang. At some point, you're going to realize uh, it could be the opening ceremony. It could be the bus ride through the Olympic Village. It could be your Olympic moment like this, It where it just hits you like a ton of bricks. When When was that? Yeah, mine, gosh, I think there's like kind of two different moments, but the definitely the big one was we flew in after like an over 15 hour travel day and we went to this hotel. So we, we didn't actually go to Pyeongchang yet because we ended in Seoul. We went to a hotel where like, a, like all the other athletes who land for the U.S. go to that hotel too. We sleep for a few hours and then the next day we wake up and go downstairs to this big room where we get like two huge bags of gear. So it's one is a big Nike bag with a bunch of clothes. And then the other one's a Ralph Lauren bag with some clothes and then the opening and closing ceremony outfits, which I had only ever seen on TV. Right. And just like seeing like just getting being able to try all of that on. And like that was my like first moment where like A, I was like, wow, I'm like here, you're surrounded by these other athletes. I remember that morning like Michaela Schifrin was at breakfast. Wow. With us and I'm like okay, so I'm here. But then I think it took me a while until I got on the ice for our first game, you run out, step out with your jersey on. Like, that's kind of the aha moment. Because I think for me, sometimes, like, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. Is so, this like, really going to happen, right? There, yeah. The <laughs> dream's like, going to be over, right? <laughs> yeah. Here's so a, two different moments, but I'm glad you brought that up because uh, Dave Snuggerud's a former Olympian friend of mine, and I was doing I'm not sure if it was a podcast, but we've just had a lot of discussions. And one of his takeaways of being in the Calgary Olympics in '88 was he goes, "That's where I learned how uh, dedicated these." Olympic athletes were the, the non, you know, he goes, I just played hockey. I was good at hockey and I made the Olympic team. I don't, I never considered myself 
an elite athlete. I watched the way they stretched, the way they trained, the way they ate, and a way how much more committed these Olympic every four-year type sports athletes were compared to us who were just, I was just a slob hockey player who could put the puck in the net. I was like probably the worst athlete of everybody in that village. Did you see a lot of these athletes when you were there? Did you, did you pick up on any of what I was just saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely picked up on it, but so we didn't, um, we didn't overlap a ton. Like okay. we overlapped a lot with like the men's hockey team. So we actually, there's this place we called Seven Eleven because it wasn't, it was a Seven Eleven. Okay. But we would go there for meals, uh, like the big village because so like the, where you actually get your meals there is like this big cafeteria. Right. You're with every other country, every other sport, and like you're offered meals from like each country. Cool. And like some of the ones we weren't necessarily the best ones uh, there. So like we had our own chef that helped us out. Um, and sorry, my dog is going crazy outside right now. Right. Um, and so we didn't overlap a ton, but like I saw all of that from like the older girls on my team and like the way they ate and trained and did all of that. I think when you're younger and you're a college athlete, you rely more on like that talent and skill that you have and not as much. Yeah. Yeah. That extra part of it. Cause like, like I said, my body's breaking down a little more now. So I actually have to like, attribute more time to like taking care of myself and I realize now like how uh, big of an impact food makes and and all of that stuff yeah that's what hit him when when he was the Olympics I thought it was fascinating that it took him that long to to realize it you know and to to see these other athletes they were so dedicated yeah all right we we saw that but I I guess it is to an individual sports like I have teammates to rely on, but like for them, like they have to do everything themselves too, which is definitely makes a difference too. And like you said, in those individual sports, it's insane. They're insanely dedicated. So let's get to the games. Um, you guys win your first two games uh, over, <laughs> I love this, Olympic athletes from Russia. Don't you love that? Um, Finland. And then you played Canada and lost. What are your memories from that game losing? It doesn't, knock you out of the uh, out of the tournament but it does kind of create doubt doesn't it yeah I I think you can see it as creating doubt or I think for us it created fuel Ooh, I like it so we had even prior to getting to the Olympics we had um like a seven game series against Canada too yep. and we had lost so we won the very first one and then we lost every single one after that and so and and then and then add on to that the preliminary loss too yep oh my goodness so i think it was just like like i said all that fuel adding up and being like we can't lose to them again like i think it helped in a way as as interesting and weird as that might sound, but yeah. they were confident in that maybe they thought that they were going to win no matter what, but we wanted to do everything we could to prove 
ourselves, right. I guess. Now, you get to the semifinals. Now, you're playing in a new building. Is that something new to – did you practice there, or was it – what was – was it a little bit different, or just hockey's hockey? Um, yeah, I think more hockey's hockey, because even at that other rink, we did practice there a few times, but there was, like, this separate practice facility that we skated at. Um and I think just like something that's important, like we all know how to play hockey. Like I I understand that like the Olympics is the ultimate stage, but like most of us have been playing hockey since what we were five years old. So nothing's changed. We've played in how many different rinks throughout our entire life. The rink was definitely bigger or like the the seating there I think yeah. was bigger, but how I didn't notice that even like when I'm playing, I just kind of blackout. <laughs> yeah. How full is the building there? Um, is it like Finland? Is it packed? Oh, it was packed. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. I can usually find my parents, but I couldn't, I didn't find anyone until my dad, I think in overtime because he, like <laughs> me and my brother always joke. My dad is like ex- extremely superstitious. Yeah. And so like, I think since like when we were down, like he'll change seats. So like usually he, like in my normal games, he would stand during yeah. them, like behind the opposing goal. Cause he likes obviously seeing um, the goals. And I saw, I think he was sitting with my mom and sister and my cousin, Robbie, who was actually there. Oh, cool. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then he moved from sitting with them to behind the opposing team's net. So behind Canada's net. And I saw him, but I didn't notice much else except for um, at one point, actually a few points, like during the game when like all of the fans started chanting USA, like that is honestly like uh, one of the best feelings in the entire world. (laughs) Really? Yeah. And I had seen it in like the Miracle movie and like you even felt it there, but like to have everyone chanting for you and like when you're over there, like even all the um, people who are working there, like if you're at, like Team USA and like you're you have like our gear on, like it's a big deal. Like I don't think people realize until or unless they're like in a setting like that, like kind of how much a lot of other countries kind of look up to us. Yeah, that's a great yeah, take. Cool. Yeah, that's a great take. I, I like I said, I, I've had that feeling being in uh, Southeast Asia and. You know, they if you have a wear, wear American clothing or American brands, they pick up on it immediately. Are you from America? Yes, you USA. Yeah, and it, I know the feeling what you're talking about. Obviously, not yeah. having the USA chant, but nonetheless, it's I know exactly the, the feeling you're going through. So the game's going on. It's another typical absolute bud blast. Before we get to the to the Lamaru um, and to the Maddie Rooney moments. Um, Let's take back uh, back up to college. Uh, I think it's your freshman year. Um, you and a bunch of Gophers are watching the 2014 gold medal game. What were your feelings back then? Uh, um, it, like I said, it was just like so tough to watch. But like, also another tough part is like you can't do anything about it. Helpless. Yeah, like there's nothing you can do. Like you can't help out. You can't. Yeah, you're helpless. That's a great way of putting it. And, and then, 
Yep, go on. And then fast forward, right? So you said you were watching with uh, all your your gopher buddies watching that game, and then now fast forward, and they're in this game again. Are you having any flashbacks to 14, or is that just completely washed away as an athlete? Yeah, that no. I had no thoughts back to that. That was completely washed away, and I was just in that moment, I guess. And I think a, a lot of us have described it as like, there was kind of a calming presence like on the bench and in the locker room, which was like maybe one of the first times like throughout that year that I had felt that in the locker room and like on our team. Cause I think we knew we were going to win and I, we didn't know how I love it. We didn't it. know it was going to go into overtime. We didn't know it was going to go into the shootout, but like we were calm and like no one was freaking out. We just like, had like, that subtle confidence that I think we had been searching for for yep. years prior. So, I mean, it was a crazy game. Like I think uh, everyone watching and like our parents freaked out way more than any of us on the bench or on the ice did. Yeah. I, I, I can believe that you really got me on that one. Yeah. That's, that's true. I bet the parents were more excited. Um, talk about coach Dauber. Um, uh, he hadn't had a ton of experience as a head coach. Um, there was some criticism that he was chosen as the head coach. Obviously, they, those critics were way off. Um, he won something that hadn't been won in, in, in many, many tries. What was your takeaway being coached by him? Yeah, I think it was, uh, like, for me, that was my first ever, like you said, like, Olymp- Olympic experience, my first ever um Olympic residency, which is like just so different from college, but um, I think it, it was like more beneficial for me. Like I, I, like I said, I've been coached by some pretty great and amazing coaches. Yeah, you got a pretty nice list. Ulti- <laughs> yeah, but it ultimately, like, through every stage and every level, it's the most important piece are the girls in the locker room, and like you can learn as much as you want from coaches and they help you and they kind of like guide you and do all that. But like in, in my personal experience, like I've learned more from the girls that I play with than I have anybody. So like, I think as much as coaching makes a difference, I, I think some great teams have won with bad coaches and some bad teams have won with great coaches or whatever. But I think like the most important piece to that is the girls in the locker room and, and the people that, the coaches like chose to be there. Well, Does that makes sense. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna say that's one of the most unique takes I've ever heard, and it's actually th- somewhat intelligent too, because your peers sometimes are your greatest motivators. Coaches is almost like a dad. Like we talk about not listening to your dad. It's kind of like a coach. Like you're, you're conditioned not to listen to him, right? Whereas your yeah. friends, right? You're going to listen to your friends. You know, oh, uh, he or she's wearing this shoe or, or the, he or she's doing this training method. You're going to follow your friends sometimes more, your peers, more than you would maybe your parents or your coach. So I think it's yeah. pretty intelligent, to, to be honest with you. Um, so talk about, uh, talk about this. Uh, you had, I got a lot more questions now that the Olympics is over. You win gold. We're, we're, we'll talk about that moment. Um, especially with, I mean, Maddie Rooney is spectacular and I had a chance to do a pod with her as well. I mean, one of the most, uh, modest, 
nicest. You wouldn't know that there's a bulldog inside of that uniform unless you try to score on her. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've been getting not upset with her in practice, but I'm like, gosh, because she knows where I'm going to shoot now, too. Cause yeah. Since she graduated, I stay with her every day. But, um, yeah, she was incredible. Um, obviously, both the Lamoureux were a huge part of, of why we won. And I always give credit to uh, Kelly Panic that passed to yes. Monique to get us into overtime was, was an amazing pass. And I think we all just played selfless that game. I'm still catching up my sleep from that game, by the way, I've lost my sleep. (laughs) I think a lot of people are, (laughs) yeah, no, there was really just like no greater feeling. I think some of us were already like had our leg over the boards before that, because we just knew there were obviously very like Gigi Marvin, Amanda Kessel in the shootout, like, a lot of like, I mean, we all contributed like whatever piece it was, um, to that game and being able to jump on the ice after and like hug our teammates and um, it's kind of a cluster for me. My experience is a little different, so I'm like, we're all freaking out, we're hugging each other, and then all of a sudden, Kendall Coin is like, "Who is bleeding?" Like, I have blood all over my jersey. Shut up. And like all of a sudden someone else is like, I have blood. And like I somehow in the in the mix got cut by a skate. And you, my You were the yeah, one that was cut? Yeah, my uh hand was bleeding all over everyone and everyone no was like kind of getting annoyed because I'm getting blood on these Olympic gold medal jerseys they're gonna be taken home someday. Like <laughs> How bad was it? Did you have to did you have to kill the uh, kill the fun and go get it patched up really quick, or? Oh no, I just well, I did get stitches after, but you got a towel um, or something. Our doc just gave me yeah, like a towel and some tape, and then I was good to go. So I had this like little red, you know, like the hockey tape you kind yeah. of put it on the end of your knob. I just like wrapped that around, so I have that in all of my pictures. Oh my, <laughs> that is a unique story. I want to go yeah. to. The, I want to go to the goal and I'll go just really quick the goal because I mean this move is like you know Datsukish you know it's crazy I I, I can't say this I, I don't want to come off as sexist but a move bite like that puts women's hockey on the map doesn't it oh that whole game I mean it's, Kendall Coin Kendall Coin Coyne skating in the in the in, in the all-star game is a, a, a new level but that move the filthy hands move. I think it, it, it elevates the game. It gets your average fan excited about it, doesn't it? Yeah, and well, and the thing that they don't know either is that she has like 10 other moves in her arsenal that are just as good as that one. Like, she's incredible. I've even tried like the move and like, I can't even get close to it. She is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kid you not, she has like 10 in her arsenal that she can just pull out on every, any given moment. Her and Gigi Marvin, they're like incredible at shootouts. So like all the people I had on my team that went like, and we worked on, we did work on shootouts a lot. I think some of sometimes you're like, why? But it's like, our coaches knew that that was a possibility that we would go into a shootout and wanted us to be prepared. And we have some pretty incredible girls in shootouts on our team, luckily. Oh. And a pretty dang good goalie 
and two other goalies that in in that scenario would do incredible too. So yeah, so then it comes down to the, now it comes you know Lamaru does the move and I, I remember eyes I woke just for the record I, I've told the story before I woke my whole family up when she scored I, they're like they really thought the dog started barking I mean it. I mean, this is the middle of the night, too. It's the house is going crazy. Like, what's going on? I'm like, you have to see this move. And everyone, my kids come rolling out of bed. I'm like, you have to see this. I was just, I was blown away. And then now we get to the save. Um, talk about the save, and, and it's over. Yeah, I Did I don't you know she know. was going to stop? I think I blacked. I knew she was going to stop it. I, I think it was Casey Bellamy. Yeah. After we were, like, talking about it, or I think I looked over even she put her stick on the bench and like was preparing to jump over. Like we were all preparing, like we knew almost like we're like, okay, now we're like, we're ahead and we've got this and Maddie's going to save this goal. You're like undo the chin strap, right? Let's go. Yeah, literally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fantastic. This is, this has been great stuff. I got a few more non Olympic related questions for you. Just, just kind of to get to know you type questions. Um, we talked a little bit about, you know, you're born 25 years ago, so you didn't see the Olympic gold in 98. Um, I want to know who your heroes were as a young girl growing up playing hockey, besides your brother, of course. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely a big one. But um, growing up in Minnesota and, like, as I um, grew up and, and got to watch a little more of Minnesota and, and as, like, female hockey became more prominent. Like big ones for me were um, Natalie Darwitz and Chrissy Wendell. And so I think that like contributed to why I wanted to go to Minnesota too. And just seeing like all they had accomplished. And um, like you said, like I was three in the 98 game. Yep. And I don't know if it's because I've heard it so much. Or I've seen it afterwards, but like, I remembered that moment somehow or like from seeing it later on and then um now I kind of like feel that through them and and like you said like that move put women's hockey on the map but like overall that gold medal game like did amazing amazing things for women's hockey and and that's something that we carry with us like we want to grow the game and we want to do all of that and so like I like for Chrissy Wendell, Natalie Darwin, like they were inspirations for me. It's pretty cool for me now to like be that inspiration for some little girl out there to maybe want to play because she watched us play in the twenty eighteen Olympics and wants to achieve that someday and and we just hope to like keep growing the game and being able to do that. So it's great because that was kind of my next question. Uh, you had kind of already answered it was, you know, you said who your heroes were, but do you realize now you are the next, you know, there was the, the initial wave of pioneers who, who got Karen by and, and Jenny Potter and that group and, and Natalie and Chrissy, those, uh, those pioneers of the game, you know, now we're into that next wave of pioneers like Kendall and yourself and Hillary and these players. It kind of gives me the chills just to say you guys are the next wave. Uh, and it's a huge responsibility that you guys have. And now you guys are getting sponsors. It's really starting to grow. 
give give me what you you know i'm giving you the keys to the to the pioneer car do you like driving it do you like being in the in this in this car yeah i i do i do like driving and i think something that that comes with the territory and being successful and and we love the game and people watching that game and the ones after i think have realized like women's hockey is competitive we like although like some aspects of our game are different from the men it's just a skill that has like all of these little like intricate things about it that people might not know because they just aren't exposed to it as often so like we're just trying um our best to like spread that and get the game that we love out there for for people who might not have access to it for some people who like still surprises me to this day who don't know that like girls play ice hockey like I it kind of <laughs> it's funny for me like growing up in Minnesota and I like have to um define like what kind of hockey I play I'm like because I'm like oh like yeah I'm a hockey player and they're like oh like field hockey I'm like no like <laughs> I play ice hockey but just just being able to be that for people and we're pushing it to create a a viable league too so that women can aspire to and like we had kind of talked about before is like make a living off of doing something that they love and like professionally and and getting some of the chances they might not have now. So I like driving that car. I like being um, that for people and just helping out in any way I can. I think, like you said, Ken McCoyne and Hillary Knight are definitely like the lead pioneers on it and, and um, have done so much for the game. And, and we're just trying to follow up and help with that. All right. Well, that is a great segue into where are they now? Uh, I know you're a part of the Team Minnesota. I think it's called Team Minnesota. They have regions and stuff like that of the PWHPA. Um, and this is something I want to sh- – hopefully there's young girls listening to the show or parents of young girls listening to shows. You you make a living at this. You don't have a side hustle. Your hustle is playing hockey. You're being paid by the league and you have a stipend from USA Hockey as a member of the US Women's National Team. Walk through what it's like to be a professional hockey player uh, in in today because I think 20 years from now we're going to be laughing about how much money you made and how much you did because I think there's women are going to be playing hockey at a very very high level and a glamorous level in 20 years. Yeah, so um, we were very fortunate in 2017. Um, we fought to um, have the opportunity to to be funded and, and be paid for our efforts, and um, we're competing for like the Olympics, right? So, like, how many athletes have to compete and also have a side job, and, and that takes away from training, right? Being able to be like the best that we can be for our team and ultimately for our country because like we were just talking about like if you win like that does great things for the sport and for your country and um so we're yeah from a part of um the pwhpa which is like a players association right now and um that's something that we're fighting for because unfortunately the only people who um have the opportunity right now to make a living are like on the national teams, whether that be in Canada, in the U.S., Finland. Um, so we have discussed on how 
there are like thousands and so many other girls who quit hockey after college who were great, great players and should have had the opportunity to like still compete and play professionally and, and, and have that opportunity, but end up having to stop playing because they can't make a living from it. So we are, are trying to create or or push for a, a viable professional league where, um, girls can, young girls, girls in college can aspire to play too and play in after college. Wow, it's 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 phenomenal what you guys are doing and the, and the fight that you had in, in 17 is so well documented. Were you nervous in that? Because that was a big deal back in 17. Like, oh, these these women are, they're women's liberals, they're liber, women's libers. I thought what you guys doing was fantastic. It's You stood up for yourselves and you proved that your value was worth it and it worked. Yeah, so like uh, I wasn't a part of that team, but um, literally every like woman and and female in hockey, it was a part of of that coming to fruition. They um, actually boycotted, so yes. the the world that year were in Plymouth, Michigan, so on U.S. soil. Yeah, and boycotted if they um, couldn't come to agreement or or to terms for. Um, like funding us as players. And so I, we had many calls, like I said, I wasn't on the team, but had many calls in like with our college teams, like all like D one D three, they called um, even players that had like graduated and, and quit hockey or were like still playing in, in some form because they knew that maybe they were going to get a call and try and like form this other team because obviously they were going to make it. They were going to make a scab team and and everyone said no. Right. Yep. Yeah. So like it, we owe that to like pretty, pretty much everyone in hockey, um, all the women's players and just being able to like come together for I love it. The, the future generations was, was like a pretty amazing feeling for, I think me and the rest of the girls. Cause it's not about us. That wasn't about us. That's about, the future. The future. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, uh, one more hockey memory. I left this one out, and I, I studied this one pretty. Uh, I didn't see this game. I, I must have been busy that day, but I remember seeing it on Twitter. Um, probably one of your former teammates, Mira, uh, posted how badly the Finns got robbed in the World Championships because she's a Finn. Uh, walk through six thousand fans in 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 Finland, um, and they w- score an apparent game win goal in overtime it gets disallowed uh for goalie interference and then you win the worlds uh in a shootout walk through <laughs> some of those memories there um yeah that was crazy we were sitting there and the refs were deliber- deliberating for a long time it was 13 which, minutes it was yeah is never a good feeling for like either team, honestly, like for them, they were celebrating. They had all gone on the ice. They had yeah. done their stuff. Like fans were going crazy, but we're sitting there and we're like, this isn't over. And like, we're just trying to like stay warm and stay in the game and, and stay mentally in there. And then they disallowed that. And for obviously the refs did it for a reason. It's in rule books or, or what yep. whatnot, but <laughs> Are you there? I lost you. 
sorry, I pressed the mute button. Okay, you cheek muted it, right? But no, I was just saying that we're, um, where did I, we were like just kind of preparing because if they disallowed it, we're going to have to plan in overtime. And, right. and then it goes into a shootout. And I think for a lot of us, it was like, again, like yeah. the first tournament after the Olympics and we're going into a shootout again and win like two tournaments in a row like that back to back, I think was a little more nerve wracking and probably annoying for for other teams. I know a lot of us have talked about it afterwards and like for for any of us, like we would love like for a championship game like that in the Olympics or for something like the for worlds, like I don't care how many overtimes it goes into, but you kind of want it to be more because of that. But I, hey, we won and and <laughs> a lot of the Finns at the airport the next day kind of told us we didn't actually win, but <laughs> we got heckled at the airport the next day. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I run a, I run tournaments, and if the tournament is important enough, I try to get the championship game to as many overtimes as you can because I've seen a few of these tournaments where it ends in a tie and then it changes in a shootout. It's like you're handing the trophy to this team that never really lost the game on the ice. It's hard. It's really, especially yeah. a world championship or an Olympic goal, it's got to be really hard to do it But, that like, way. great moments come yeah. from the shootouts, too, like TJ Oshie. Like, yes. So you can't argue that either. But, yeah, I think it's it's tough. But, like, we aren't in control of that, so you just have to be in control of what you can. and. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, last question. Uh, two, actually, two more questions. I want to ask you about what what are you doing when 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 hockey's over, and that could be two years, ten years from now, from a playing perspective. Um, uh, what do you what do you want to do after? What do you want to do after hockey? Do you want to stay in hockey and coach? Do you want to be an ambassador of the game? Do you want to uh, or just just maybe walk away and, and get a, a a regular career with like like regular folks? Yeah, I think I've, I've thought about it before, but um, just a little bit. It hasn't taken up too much of my time since I'm still playing. But, yeah, I've thought about um, just getting, like, a, a different career afterwards and being um, pushed and competing in something that I've never done before. But I, I've always wanted to stay in hockey involved in some aspects, like, one way or the other. Like, I'll, I'll always, always want to be an ambassador of the game and, and to coach to some extent, I, like I did that, um, well, um, like guest, a uh, grad assistant, not grad assistant, yeah. but I was like a part-time assistant coach at Blake and, um, it was fine. Like I, I love teaching and like, I, I realized that I have a lot to offer and a lot of knowledge that has just been accumulated over my experiences and, and being taught, like I said, by great coaches and, I realize I have that to give, but I don't necessarily think coaching is in my career. I might want to do something more like skills or, or skating or something to that aspect. More of a Barry Karn type than. Yeah. Yep. I work with him now and in the summers, unfortunately not this summer, obviously, but right. Um, I like to stay out of the, the drama with parents and that seems to to come in hot in youth sports when you're a head coach. So I don't know if I see that in my future, but we'll see. Never know. What about a trainer type, like like a Cal Dietz? Could you see yourself doing that? 
I'll, I'll leave that up to the cows of the world. <laughs> I've thought <laughs> thought about it, but I don't think I have the the brains for that part of it. I mean, I I've, I've luckily had him my whole career, so I, I haven't needed to make up my own workouts or do that. But I'll, I'll leave that to him. You <laughs> had uh, <laughs> thank many thanks to you. Yeah, you got him really good on his podcast uh, that I did with him. You 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 threw a couple good jabs at him, so I gave him a chance to get you back. So uh, he said, "Danny is the only female athlete." Uh, I can say, I can see you on Google Maps. Quit eating so much. And he throws it, and he says, and what I like about her so much, she throws it right back at me. You want, you want another barb at, 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 big, at big Red? That's what I call him. <laughs> no, I, I think it's funny just that, like, our camps now, um, we had one in, in November for USA, and he's actually our yep. coach for, or trainer for that now, too, but he... Like, I think some of the college girls are like, oh, my gosh, like, what did she just say to him? And he's just, like, dying laughing. Um, one thing I have been that's been killing me lately is with, um, obviously, the world we live in and in these Zoom calls, he has this, like, little headset. Yeah. That he wears in the video, and, it like, I've had to joke with him so many times because he looks like he has an extra small-sized headset on this like very extra large size head it is so funny <laughs> so it's like a miniature but headset right it literally looks like one because and I'm his like, head is so big yeah now, do you think i texted him in it and he's like would you shut up <laughs> <laughs> do you think his head is so big because uh taking multiple hits over the head playing football and wrestling and getting his head in a headlock so many times or do you think it's so big because he's the, the preeminent source for uh, athletic training in the world. Yeah. I mean, I hate to, to give him, him credit and to make his head any bigger, but I think his, that big head of his stores a lot of, of knowledge up there. And that's one of my favorite things about him is, is oftentimes the strength coaches, you find that um, they get stuck in their ways, but that guy is, Far from it. Constantly reading and changing, um, like the stuff he does, and gosh, coming up with stuff. I swear, in the middle of the night, where you're like, "How do you even think of something like that?" But he is so intelligent, which I joke with him, as you might not know that when you're when you're talking to him and having a conversation with him, or or just seeing him on the street. Yeah, I know one of the guys my dad works with actually was like, that's, this is a funny story, was like, do you know Cal Dietz? And my dad's like, yeah, like, why? And he's like, God, I could have sworn he was lying and he didn't actually know you, but because my dad's gotten close with him because of me. Right. And he lives in Hudson. So the guy's like, so I live in, in Hudson and like, we have a ton of land. So like the closest neighbor is pretty far. And, and one night at, like at dusk, this guy comes walking down. This this burly man comes walking down the street, no shirt on, in oh, jean pants. Yeah, and starts talking to me and like saying, somehow he came up that he was a trainer at the U. And then the guy's like, oh, like my boss is like daughter plays hockey. Like, do you know her and all this stuff? And I was dying laughing the way he described him. Like I couldn't entirely picture Cal walking down the street. At night, just trying to get in some exercise or research for gosh knows what, and he's wearing jean pants and no shirt. 
<laughs> oh, this is this is good stuff. Uh, we could rip on Cal all day long, uh, but he is. He is one of the greatest. It's so funny. I don't know. Have you watched any of these games? It's so funny. Ben Clymer like worships Cal Dees because yep. <laughs> anytime you watch a Gopher men's game, like there'd be a check in the corner. That's because Cal Dees does this. It's like he always drops a Cal Dees every broadcast. At least one or two Cal Dees lines. I swear, Cal's uh, lining Ben's pockets with money. Don't you think? <laughs> Uh, yes, I my fiance's uh, brother is actually on the Gophers, and I texted Cal, and I was like, "I hope your head's not getting too big because these announcers keep dropping your name for some reason." Oh, and he just goes, "Ha ha!" Yeah, of course he did. Of course he did. Um, all right, last one on on our pods, we always do this thing called "If You Could." So I make up a "If You Could Do Something," and your "If You Could" is if you could go back and relive one of your hockey seasons. Any season, back to, to mites, which one it be and why? Oh, gosh. Last, um, last question, I promise. I know, I know. I, you would think it would be easier than that, but um, I would probably, I would have to say, yeah, that Olympic year because not many people get to experience that, and although – there were a lot of um, ups and downs throughout the year, just like having the opportunity to feel that, that last game and that gold medal game one more time, I think would be pretty incredible because you can't replicate it. Even thinking back, you don't know how you feel. You can't like replicate how you feel and in the And I would do anything, I think, to be able to feel that again. So... That's good. That's good. You were an awesome interviewee, uh, in, in very impressive. Uh, again, being 25 years old and having all these medals and awards, it's uh, you're just as good as an interview as you are a hockey player. Thanks for your time today, Danny. I appreciate your time here on our pod. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry about my whole napping situation. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. Yes, Danny you know, uh, overslept the so interview, bad. and she tried hard to make up for it, and she did a great job. Thanks for, for thanks for being out with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, thanks again to Danny Carmenese for joining us. Uh, remember now, get your gifts of tradition nostalgia from the Minnesotan. You can't find anywhere else, and the people love it, guaranteed. This place is worth the drive up to White Bear Lake, or check them out online at theminnesotan.com. 15% off if you use YHH code on the online purchase or in-store. Thanks for tuning in to today's pod. Hope to see you around the rink soon.